0: There, the three-year-old was, confronted with something strange on his plate. Tuna fish, perhaps, or Brussels sprouts. And he wanted to alter his food in some way that made the unfamiliar familiar. He wanted to subdue the contents of his plate. And so he turned to ketchup, because, alone among the condiments on the table, ketchup could deliver sweet and sour and salty and bitter and umami all at once. Welcome to episode 12 of Sandwich Wingman. I'm Rob Hanna, here with Ryan Morrison. How are you today, Ryan? I'm great, Rob. How are you? I, I'm excellent. It's always fun for me to be able to say the word umami. Uh, I, I, I knew that. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Uh, and I'm really excited about uh, today's uh, reading, which we will get to later in the episode, um, from Malcolm Gladwell's uh, essay, The Ketchup Conundrum, um, which I think is actually... Um, uh, several years old so it's not a new article but it's good to kind of go back to one that that I think uh, um, you have mentioned me before um, today's episode is um, salami today's ingredient mm. Um, mm. and we both have made uh, salami sandwiches this week um, mm-hmm. and are um, kind of ex- I'm kind of excited to jump into this uh, this is not a meat that I've traditionally used myself to assemble sandwiches so this is uh, this to me was, was was something of a new thing pushing into a new space so Maybe we can kind of start out with you. Um, so, your sandwich this week, Ryan?
1: So, um, I did the best I could to subdue the contents of my plate, as I, <laughs> as I do as I do every time out. I think. Um, so I was thinking a little bit about like a caprese sandwich, right? I mean, so it's like, like I think uh, what's kind of worked for us thus far is to find some uh, inspiration and in something that definitely works. Um, some way to kind of bring out uh, the common ingredient that we picked. A couple times it didn't work so well for us, but I, in general it's a pretty good idea. So I started with the caprese. Um, End up going a different direction. I got some crumpets at the store. Oh. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah, that's right, crumpets. We're not. We are not running out of bread products to use yet. <laughs> Um, but, you know, selected again in part because I figured it would be about the right shape for a slice of salami. Which is true. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did kind of the normal thing. Uh, toasted that up. Um, slices of mozzarella cheese. Two slices. Um, three slices of Genoa salami. Ooh, yeah. On the top there. Um, Heat all that up. Some a couple of uh, small tomato slices on top, and uh, some spinach dip I put on there. So it was like an open face sandwich. Okay. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, pretty kind of dominated by the, the spinach dip a little bit, but the salami was a big part of it. And uh, I think it worked out pretty well.
0: Great. How about you? Oh, this week I did a... I was thinking, I thought a lot about... Italian subs, and I wanted to kind of do something that was a playoff of that. Um, yeah. So I did a salami sandwich on a tomato and basil focaccia. Um, I added a pesto, uh, mm. a, a pesto and quinoa spread that I was able to pick up, uh, a thick slice of tomato, and another uh, thick slice of fontina cheese, which is not an ingredient that I normally work with, but I thought that it would be a good substitute for provolone. Um So, and I used kind of small medallion size things, like pepperoni size but not pepperoni-type salami. So, like a Um, hard salami? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, well...
1: I don't know too much about salami.
0: Yeah, I mean, it it definitely had, like, you know, the kind of casing on the outside type thing, but I didn't have to, like, slice Mm. one really hard. It was already kind of sliced into medallions. So... Gotcha. um, But, yeah, it was not... um, It was not hard to uh, put together, and it was kind of fun to... uh, Uh, experiment with some new flavors there particularly the basil uh, sorry the pesto spread so
1: so so um give me again the the ingredients of your sandwich like top to bottom and with sure uh
0: salami uh pesto and quinoa spread um a slice of tomato and a uh slice of fontina cheese nice all on all on the focaccia which had tomato basil as as uh it was tomato basil bread so um
1: nice yeah. I was also thinking uh, pesto, and then, I don't know, I saw the uh, spinach dip, and I was intrigued.
0: Um, yeah, I wanted something like that to kind of be a spreadable. I wasn't sure what it would be, but pesto seemed to make sense, for, you know, kind of the Italian-inspired flavor of it. Sure, so. uh, yeah,
1: no, nice. I think that's, uh, looking forward to hearing about how that kind of stacked up.
0: Yeah, so do you want to um, maybe run a little bit through what you how you rated it, yours?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so um, I did a three freeze of assembly because it was okay. kind of middle of the road. Nutrition was a two, um, not a whole lot there. Um, you know, <laughs> mostly bad, bad stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but it did taste good. Um, not, not quite at the at some of the higher levels that that we've been at before. But a solid mm-hmm. uh, seven. You know, the type of thing I'd be looking, I'd be looking to do it again. Hmm. Um, Integrity was a little lacking. Um, I thought the spinach dip was going to be a little more uh, thick, a little more substantial than it actually was, yeah. uh, so it just made it a little bit. So I went, I went with a three on integrity, but I thought this this actually looked really nice, um, and the, you know the spinach dip was a was kind of a swerve. So I'm going four for conversation piece, and then the the joy of eating it. Was was very high. Uh, It was an experience of of five for me, Um, and again, I I think I'm finding this over and over again with the hot sandwiches. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's, I mean, because I was finding that in this process, tried to make an effort to do that here. Um, I guess I'll I'll try for the sake of variety to not do it every week, (laughs) but um, (laughs) it was good. It was good. I'm pretty happy with it. Uh, how about you?
0: Um, I also was really happy with my sandwich as well. In fact, this by far got my best score, I think, yet. So oh, this wow. is pretty exciting. Yeah. So so for ease of assembly, got a 5 out of 5. Everything was very easy to assemble. Things were pre-made, essentially. Um, I put them all together. Um, I'm not sure how healthy Fontina cheese is, but I think otherwise things were pretty good. Maybe I overinflated my nutritional value of 4 this week, but I think that it, it stood out as relatively nutritious. Um, the, uh, it tasted great. It almost tasted like a mini pizza. Everything kind of worked well together. Yeah. Um, I didn't really taste the pesto, but uh, I could taste the cheese and the salami. Uh, but everything worked well together. That was a nine out of 10 for taste. I mean, I, on, on another given day, I may have given nice. it a 10. I mean, it was just, everything was there. It didn't seem to be missing anything. Uh, it stayed together very well. I think that's probably because uh, the sandwich wasn't too wet. So I didn't – you know, the spread itself wasn't uh, particularly um, – wasn't, wasn't right. too, too wet. Um, and I didn't – you know, I ate it almost immediately after assembly. So that was helpful as well. Um, so that got a uh, 5 out of 5 for integrity. Um, I think the pesto and the salami combination is pretty interesting as a conversation piece. Uh, it kind of makes me think of an Italian pasta. So 4 out of 5 for that. Uh, overall, very easy to eat uh, from front to finish, not missing anything as I said before. 5 out of 5 for the experience. So the, you know, I th- this got some pretty high ratings. So this is this is by far my best sandwich yet. So that's uh, yeah. I mean,
1: this is uh, the the quest for the perfect sandwich. Yeah, is what is what we've been after here, or to, or to at least collect a bunch. Yeah, and uh, sounds like you got to the mountaintop.
0: Yeah, the, the, this this by this is a thirty-two sandwich.
1: Yeah, that's uh, yeah, man. That's that's breaking through that's yeah. breaking through that's nice
0: and we've and we've talked about the trade-offs you have to make in order to make a better sandwich so it's impressive to kind of have it kind of hit all the right notes as it were right um, so w- w- what did your ass up to?
1: Um, I'm a 24 sandwich Oh okay but this is a this is a repeat sandwich for me. I liked it so it really just goes to show uh, just how. How great a sandwich your your sandwich is, because I think in the past, um, you know, twenty four seemed like a pretty good showing, but now I feel kind of ashamed of myself.
0: No, 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 not at all. I th- I, as I said, I may I I I, I, want, I I may be overinflated. I don't know, but no. Um, no. The but I, yeah, I will say you're, you're we'll
1: an be... expert on the entice score, my friend. If anyone is,
0: <laughs> right? yeah, yeah. Well, we both we've, yeah. we've
1: rolled this out. You know, this is a. Uh, Starting yeah. to get some experience with the with the entice process, so
0: yeah, this is at least my 12th time doing it, right? Um, so what, what I was gonna just say, and I want to recommend if you're thinking about sandwich making yourself, um, the pesto and quinoa spread that I picked up from a local establishment um, had a lot of interesting ingredients in it, but ultimately it was a pesto sauce that had quinoa all throughout it. It was absolutely excellent, highly recommended as a spread for sandwiches. I think we've in the past experimented with hummus. Um, yeah. as, as a spread, and we thought about that a lot um, and hmm. have appreciated it. And this I want to add to the kind of repertoire that we've been developing here. I think it's a, I highly recommend this spread. Um, if you if you
1: did your sandwich again, would you add more of this pesto? Good
0: point. You're right, because I said it wasn't that strong of a flavor. Um I perhaps well, I'm just would, wondering
1: I, if, that's, if that's what you meant.
0: That's... Oh, I could add more. Um, I was more just saying that I just thought that um, it didn't detract from the sandwich, and it was a great way to kind of make it, uh, more spreadable. And you know, Hawaii don't like, um, things like ketchup, which is funny, I should say that, and ketchup and mustards and stuff like that. So, right. Anytime I can find a spread that, that I can handle is, uh, is a plus. So, yeah. um, I just wanted to I highlight did. that. Yeah, yeah. So, um, we, nice. congratulations, um, yeah. my friend. Well, thank you. Thank you. I, I, um, there are a lot of things going on here. It, it, it almost begs me to make a segue here to parts of the article um, that we're talking about this week because it, the, the notion of uh, amplitude, which right. is interesting for me as a, as a physics background person. I wouldn't necessarily have used that term to describe what they're describing, but it's this, it's this uh, notion uh, that food tasters use of kind of the, um, let's call it like a wholeness of taste so that no one particular flavor sticks out. And I mm-hmm. and I kind of felt like this sandwich here, my thirty two, actually kind of approached that right. Like I, I didn't quite at any point in a given bite taste too much of one thing other than maybe the cheese every once in a while. So you know maybe, maybe that's something that like the the better sandwiches have right, where everything kind of works well and there's no kind of false note. Um, yeah. So
1: if you if you had that experience of right. of feeling like it was a, a high amplitude. Sandwich. That's right. Um, I wonder if, uh, I mean, especially in the context of thinking this uh, umami thing, which is not something we pick up on, and yet we always, it always matters to us. Correct. Um, I wonder, you know, maybe maybe the taste of the pesto wasn't, um, you know, that apparent to you while you were eating it. But maybe that's exactly what this is about, right? Maybe this is... Here, here we've got this this ingredient which you said was great, and you've got a sandwich where you said the the amplitude was high. It seemed to just be like a nice little, um, you know, classical music type thing there, where it's all, exactly right. all coming together. Um, maybe maybe there's a relationship there. Maybe it, maybe it played a role in this amplitude, you know, experience. Even if the taste didn't really stick out to you.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. I, I think I, I you know, and it's funny. This is a great thing about the how this our sandwich descriptions here kind of play in with the article. I ha, if I hadn't kind of read about the amplitude feature or the amplitude kind of notion, I would never have kind of thought to myself that maybe there are things we can add to our sandwiches, Ryan, that we don't realize are there, but are adding just like you said to the experience. Yeah, I just mean, to, I've
1: been looking for like interesting flavors, right? Right. But. um... This is a, this is a, this amplitude thing. That's exactly why I asked you that that pesto question of whether or not you'd add more, because, um, you know maybe the answer is no. Maybe it's an amplitude.
0: Uh, right. Maybe you're right because I because I I'm always thinking that I should add more because I did not taste it, but the right. fact that like it worked and it ah uh, see I think that's a good point Ryan. So right like so um, so
1: in the article you know one of the things they are described or uh, Gladwell uses to illustrate this point of amplitude. Yes, is is cola where uh, a Coca Cola his... and a Pepsi, you know these these tasters that he's he's spoken with, have a very high opinion of their of their amplitude. Those two colas, exactly, uh, right. because it's I think I think they'd, the person described it as gorgeous. the The flavors are all there, but it seems like one singular thing. That's and right. It works really well, and they the contrast was to like a store brand cola where you can taste these elements you can taste these flavors that's exactly right and um, yeah so maybe if if uh, you know if the the pesto flavor was really pointy for you here you know maybe it would have would have been more like the store brand cola I know most of my sandwiches thus far have been more like store brand colas so.
0: You're right, right, because some flavor stuck out, and uh, and almost I'm almost begging it to stick out as a kind of a featured ingredient, right? Because I was even right. going to say that even my even my salami this week didn't necessarily stick out either. So
1: yeah, uh, so you asked me, you asked me in the last not uh, I don't know this last episode or the one before the mm-hmm. one uh, yeah the last episode we did you did the Robert right. That's, that's right, yeah, the yeah, last like one. The yeah. corn corn beef, um, and you asked me why, you know, corned beef and sauerkraut, why do they go well together? I have no answer, right? Right. But maybe we know that there probably is a reason, just, uh, I don't know, can't always describe it.
0: Right, and in fact, maybe maybe if, if you're able to deconstruct our sandwich into, into its five senses, we might find that the saltiness of the corned beef... Mix well with whatever kind of flavors you have. Maybe somewhat sweet. In the um, yeah, in the other ingredient, right? So we
1: never know. I mean there there are types of cabbage that that do well on this um, umami scale in terms of the you know those those three uh, I guess amino acids that That's that, that's right that trigger that uh, um, sensation that flavor um, right. I, think, I, I don't know that sauerkraut is on there. I didn't see that anywhere, but it wouldn't be a surprise because other cabbage has been considered as that or considered for that. And uh, like we've seen here with ketchup, which, I don't know, might be, in terms of our everyday lives, the ultimate umami um, food, uh, you know, that's also you know highly vinegary. Let's get that kind of going with it which is also a sauerkraut thing
0: right right but so but you don't notice to the same thing about amplitude right you don't notice the vinegar sticking out you just know but but if it weren't there you might miss it
1: yeah 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 right so um, the corned beef is like salty to a point right maybe a maybe a fairly high point and the sauerkraut is vinegary the bitter thing up to a point exactly but right. to eight it's like a similar, similarly high, on the the bitter thing, to the that's salty right. the corned beef, that's right, yeah. Well, so this that's, is a this is a, maybe we should have done this. Um,
0: earlier that's on. a long time ago. I know, it's fascinating, I, and I think you had mentioned a while ago um, about this. You know, the, the other thing I wanted to get at it was exactly that one point about ketchup hitting all five senses. Um. You know, and, you know, Gladwell goes into the history of it a little bit. We don't have to go into all of that, but effectively it's like ketchup used to be something else um, based on not even like mm. the fresh ripe tomatoes, right? And it was approved up to this kind of current form by the original Heinz, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it was that form that kind of finally hit all five senses in balance. I mean, it was, almost, it was almost perfection. It was almost gorgeous in the words of someone in the article, right? I mean...
1: It is good. Do you like it? Do, I mean, you... You don't really use condiments, but do I you don't like ketchup. You
0: know, I, you know, I. After reading this, I wanted to go back and reconsider ketchup. Um, because <laughs> because I, as I like have, the I, the
1: ultimate flavorful
0: right, thing, exactly yeah. right. I mean, or even the quote that I read at the beginning of like how young children when they start to, um, you know, they know they don't have control over their plates, right? Like you know, someone has to cook for them. So one thing that they like. About ketchup, at least in the, in the article, like Gladwell posits that they, or, or at least what he was to people who were talking to posited, um, that, um, kids add the ketchup because they have control over it. And the benefit to them is that they get all five flavors, right? So if they want something to have like, the, 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 it, it's like a sensory overload, right? Or not overload. It's a sensory kind of, um, uh, ecstasy, right? I mean, you get to hit all five, you know, over the course right. of like the tasting of something. I mean, that, that's a remarkable thing. You, to do um so no wonder or, it's or like, like this, this is, yeah mm-hmm. yeah no go ahead. well i say no wonder it's remained so popular that's all i was gonna say but yeah, yeah please go ahead yeah
1: but um um you know once upon a time you and i took a little trip around the country by that's bus. right that's right um and we were kind of stuffed up in a bus there for a couple of buses for over a day between salt lake city and seattle
0: oh that's right yes. and
1: um it was just it was so stuffy, right? Because even when we switched buses, it was in the middle of the night. It was not like a break; it was more of a hassle. That's right. Um, that's right. That's right. And uh, yeah, it, we really didn't get many stops. And then and then to be in a car in Seattle with the windows down, and just uh, I mean it was actually kind of kind of cold. I think that night, um, mm-hmm. but. But I don't know about you. I, th- I think you felt the same thing. You could just couldn't help but just, just feel that that wind. Like it was. uh didn't matter that it was cold. It was almost better I, that it was cold.
0: I agree. You got to really feel it. And just to feel. I, because we had been yes.
1: sitting on this bus and just not
0: feeling. Exactly anything. right. And yeah, yeah, because, I mean, just, sounds,
1: yeah. Yeah. You see what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, and all I was going to say was just that and i remember that the i think we both may have used the word numb right like in, in order to get through a 14 hour bus ride or multiple evenings of those kind of bus rides you have to kind of uh put yourself into uh resting mode right like whatever you know the the, the computer metaphor there right where like you're you're in sleep mode or something
1: yeah
0: where yeah. you know um you just kind of numb yourself to the world and just kind of let the world pass you by and that's the way to get through because otherwise you're kind of experiencing time in in too intensive a way right so yeah. <laughs> You kind of want to be timeless for a bit, right? <laughs> yeah, like,
1: uh, yeah. The you, what you want is the opposite of like staring at a clock for the whole time.
0: That's exactly right. Well said. Yep, that's the exact opposite of that sensation, right? Yeah. Um, as
1: as much as as you can achieve that, but yeah, there was definitely that, um, and also just in that in that, I don't think we found, I don't think I felt this way with other buses. Just just so just stuffy. And uh, I don't know. So, I mean, just, just kind of like turning up the volume on sensation. Yes. I, I get that. That's all.
0: Yeah, and, it, and you know, it it, it it begs us eventually to talk about uh, synesthesia, right? Where now your senses are crossed, right? Um, but maybe I won't jump too much into that boat. Um, well, the other thing I want to talk about the article, Ryan, and I, I thought maybe you, you probably also found this of interest, was kind of the... Let's call it the statistics and research behind um, uh, the different varieties of food that are now offered. Right, so I, I know you're, the other yeah. hat you, you the other hat you wear is as a sabermetrician, right? So um, it's interesting to think about. Um, there was this notion before in food science, let's say that there were what does the article say? There were universals, right? That like all you had to do as a food scientist creating uh, spaghetti sauce was was figuring out what the ultimate combination of all the ingredients was that that was like the maximal score for everyone, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what really kind of broke open the field was to determine that actually there are actually different clusters of people. Yeah. yeah, yes, exactly right, right. There are different clusters of taste, right? And like just the discovery that like there was a portion of the population by this one guy was his name Moskowitz, right? Mm-hmm. Um, had discovered that um, there's, there's this portion of population who actually likes their spaghetti sauce extra chunky. And how yeah, there was, a, and
1: some who really like it
0: spicy and some Exactly, don't. and some who really like it um, smooth or was the word, right? Uh, oh, yeah, plain, spicy, and extra chunky, right? And it was mm-hmm. all based on, like, these kind of flavor experiments that he had kind of done out and discovered that it wasn't, like, a universal there, right? Which, which, you know, the article kind of claims it kind of spawned a movement of the multiple varieties that we see today, right? And I couldn't help but think back to my experience being in, uh, in like, supermarket aisles, right? looking up at the shelf and seeing all the different types of spaghetti sauce, right? And some of them have no appeal to me. But after reading this article, I think to myself, wow, like, they're only being offered because there must be a portion of the population that actually prefers one of these over the ones that I would prefer, right? Like, I have a strong preference for, like, a tomato basil sauce that maybe is chunky, but isn't, like, I don't like it too sugary. And, like, I, I don't really like cream sauces, but there might be other people in the population that just prefer cream sauces over the stuff that I like. And it's all just um, the way our tongues have evolved, right? I mean, that, that's really what it comes down to.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think I think we're also finding through this process that some experimentation is good. Like, you're going to go back and check out ketchup again. Like, you, that, you think you know the best way that you want to eat a hamburger. That's right. right? But maybe you're wrong. Like, maybe you're wrong. That's that's what the finding what your your specific tastes are um, is I guess I don't know part of that process. Yeah, you gotta well, test, gotta test things. I like uh, um, hot dogs, right? Yes. I always I always thought I liked my hot dogs plain. I really did, and I did for a long time. Right. And then. I tried one with mustard, and maybe you know maybe my tastes were different at that point, but I was like, "Oh, yeah, mustard, like this makes total sense. I like this, and now that's my preference. I don't know. I, I think I thought that I didn't like mustard.
0: I, I don't know, but once you start to well I mean it, it, how much do you think it has to do with getting older and and, um, and like having your palate, as they say, kind of um, I don't know evolve or grow up or something? Is that part yeah, or of it? just,
1: like, have part of it die, I guess. Well, uh, right. That be it.
0: Um, well, think about it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I think, I think, I feel like I know that that's true because um, really just the, the hot, spicy stuff, which um, I really just, like, could not accept at any level um, for a long time. I don't know whether I was really paying attention. You know, I didn't keep testing it. So I don't know when exactly that might have changed, uh, but I don't know it was like maybe four or five years ago. You know, started to eat some things. I could see the appeal, and and now you know it's it's part of the part of the picture for me. It's part of the repertoire. I I get it. Before it was just like painful, and I didn't get it, and it was always just terrible. Um, and that that has to be a palate thing because that was not me. That wasn't a question of me just not trying it like maybe right. it was for mustard on hot dogs. It was just right. a... It has to be the palate thing. So, yeah, I mean, have you noticed any changes in your taste preferences? You, you said that you didn't uh, like sugar when you were selecting your tomato basil type sauce. Was that always
0: true? Um, it's a good question. I mean, I'm trying to think back. I mean, I'm not sure whether I... I, I I think the sugar issue for me Ryan Is actually something I like evolved into realizing That wow could I have a tomato sauce With less sugar Right I'm not even sure if it was even part of my Decision making process before And this Mm -hmm. is like similar to the point we are making earlier on In this discussion which is like I'm not sure whether I knew what would happen if, Like whether I'd miss it or not But But I remember having some Tomato sauces that didn't have Sugar in them or had less sugar or very little sugar And I just preferred them So it was almost like a whole new world was opened up. It was like, oh, I don't have to necessarily have, like, when I go to the store, buy something that is overly sugary and be less, um, you know, have the experience be uh, poorer for it. I, I, in fact, actually have a choice to have less of it. So it was less that I grew up that way and more that I discovered later on in life that um, I could cook stuff without oil, so I prefer stuff if it's not cooked in oil. You know, I prefer stuff that that has less sugar in it. I mean, that to me is almost just like gaining knowledge over time. Um, rather than like something I kind of evolved into, um, so nothing really sticking out to you
1: on the on the palate count.
0: Um. Yeah, I mean, I will say that that I'm a little more tolerant of mustard now. As you, but but otherwise,
1: hmm.
0: not not really. Um, yeah. Oh, but I, I will say, say
1: things are. Yeah, go ahead. No, 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 no. You go ahead. I, I just uh, you, that was a little eureka moment. I had not considered maybe the. Maybe for thing the for me the mustard thing was not different necessarily from the spicy thing, even though I don't think they're uh, really the same thing.
0: Oh yes, that's a good point. I did not grow up eating spicy food, but at this point, I almost prefer it if I can get it. Wow, and and it might be partially because of you say like you know maybe some of the senses being somewhat dulled, right? Um over time just with age and like burning your tongue a bunch of times when you're like having too hot tea or something. But, yeah, um, I don't know if that's it, but I, <laughs> I honestly don't know,
1: don't know that science at all.
0: Yeah. Um. Um, but, I, but I, but now I just love the spice and, and, and you know, as if talk were talking about the eating spicy foods, long story short, you know, essentially that you, you have that kind of euphoric moment, right? I don't know the actual neuroscience behind it, right? But like it does hurt when you have it, but then your body doesn't it, have some sort of response that actually makes you happier and want to crave more of it because there's some mm. kind of the up and down um, of it is uh, is really satisfying. Um, but I don't know much mm. about the science behind that either. But that's definitely evolved. Um, well,
1: we're not here yeah. to know things. We're here to yeah. find out things.
0: Yeah, we're here to ask questions and explore and sometimes come to answers.
1: Explore why we don't have answers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I'd like to. I mean, I. You and I both like Gladwell because Mm. you and I both like what we try to do here, which is find, examine, toss around some nuggets. I agree. That's that's kind of what he's all about. Um, You touched on one. This is kind of a minor one. um, Yeah, touched on one with uh, in talking about you know the the child's behavior on that thing. That's right. That's uh, right. Yep. You know, just like he did. This is kind of like an echo of. A point made earlier, he's talking to the guy he thinks is the, like, preeminent, like, ketchup expert in the world. Because he's right. like a tomato, like a tomato historian. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes, 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 and, yes, uh, yes,
1: And the tomato historian has a very high opinion of ketchup. But That's I think right. it's, it's more like, um, like if you were uh, from a small town in the state of Massachusetts... And like your your high school, like went and won the state championship and something like football or something, right? It Seem, seemed to I don't know about you, but it, it kind of read to me like that. Like yeah yeah, my tomato, it's doing so well with ketchup. <laughs> not, not not so much that it was like oh I really like ketchup. It was more like he was proud of ketchup on behalf of the tomato Community. contingent. Yes, I. You know what I'm saying? Well, I do know so, what you're saying. But, yeah, because one of the things that he praised about it was this aspect of it being a condiment, and it was nice to kind of put that into focus, where the decision to use it is not made by the food preparer.
0: That's right. I remember the food this. Yes. Consumer. Yes. Yes. And um, that's a that fascinating point. Yes, it really is, and, isn't
1: it? And in our context. Um, you know where we're both I don't know um, if there are some things that we consider that we wouldn't consider I don't know uh, it's interesting like like I said this guy it was it was mostly like here's why it's so great here's why it's so here's why it's great that it's successful and not here's why it's really good
0: yeah well said yep
1: but but yeah, so I mean anyone anywhere really I mean other than like a like a meatloaf or something, potentially. Mm-hmm. I don't think ketchup is ever prepared with prepared food. It is, I really think that's is right. always added.
0: I think I think uh, I I think it's very often added, right? But right, yeah, yeah, except for the your 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 meatloafs. Yeah, you're right. I don't know what other dishes you use it in. Or at least typical ones, right? But yeah. um but, yeah, so, I mean, it puts a lot of the control back in the, yeah, hand of the, and, and right, we, and we, did, and we didn't, we yeah. didn't, right, we didn't evolve as a, uh, as a food culture, or culturally with food, say, in the U.S., to have the, the chef choose that for you most of the time, right? Like, almost always, it's presented to you, like, the mustard and the ketchup, you can add, you can apply liberally, just like any old dips, right? Um, it's just, yeah. just an interesting distinction there, right, where you, where you let the, the the consumer really select how much of that they want, um, you know, just like salt or pepper or something, right? Um, yeah, but I it, don't know. yeah,
1: that is really interesting. I wonder if if that's really just a question of quantity as well, because if you know, Rob Hanna, uh, not included, uh, mm-hmm. ketchup has a uh, an almost complete fan base. And you right. think that there's some there are some context in which, like, you would just want, well, you know, all right. So, actually, let's say you go, you went and got, like, fast food, right? You order a, well, maybe that's just because it's fast food. And they're not expecting you to do anything other than <laughs> shove it into your
0: face. Um, no, but, but even, even, yeah. if, even at fast food places, they give you the little packets, right, of ketchup, or, or they allow you to put it on your cell Yeah, right? for
1: like a, yeah, okay but i could see even even with say like fries you wouldn't yep. just like put ketchup on the fries cuz it would be hard to eat and i think the longer you leave ketchup on something like that the the soggier and less enjoyable it becomes that's right but but yeah i i i think there are some contexts in which you might even just assume that everyone would select ketchup but that you don't um go ahead and put it on there, because you don't know how much the person prefers. Sure.
0: Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, um, all I can say is that it is amazing to know that we live in a society where we can add as much ketchup as we want.
1: <laughs> yeah, That's the red, and the the red, white, and blue.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, um, oh, I, I, you, you don't mind if I read a quote here? kind of related to what we're talking about you know um they were talking we were talking about the concept of amplitude in the beginning of the episode um and i just i love that um uh, gladwell was mentioning so many examples of high amplitude foods right so like you have like this the ketchup right but he mm-hmm. says that things like petridge farm shortbread cookies are considered to have high amplitude he says yeah. hellman's mayonnaise has high amplitude mm-hmm. and Sarah Lee pound cake has high amplitude isn't that fascinating that there are certain things that we eat that just everything works well together as as the quote he has from someone in here right says um this uh it, the quote was says chamber this chamber says they are um the difference between high and low amplitude is the difference between my son and a great pianist playing ode to joy on the piano <laughs> uh chamber says they're playing the same notes but they blend better with the great pianist i think that's fascinating um like the the notion of being able to sit down a piano and play the same notes but have it not sound the same as a master, you know,
1: yeah, yeah, and you can you can picture it right, especially in the context of this like store brand cola thing exactly right if a uh, if you're if you're listening to a child play this, you know they're they're basically just playing some notes harder than others. It's a, exactly it's right like a, it's a it's a lack of like mechanical feel of uh, lack of mechanical precision. That's and right. Then, uh, unintentionally playing some notes louder than others or things like that. They make them stick out to you. Oh, I, hadn't, I had
0: not thought of that. That, like, they themselves are just mo- modulating uh, um, involuntarily the volume yeah, I and mean, intensity. Yeah. So
1: you play a chord, and it, I assume it just takes a lot of expertise to basically play those notes exactly, all three of them, you know, at exactly the same That's right. Volume. Right, uh, you know, as quick the same same violence of the hammer on the on the string. Well said. Um, yep. And I yep. think uh, I I think that's what he was getting at here this this ode to joy. Right. Example. Yeah,
0: yeah. it looks like the, Cause the you, quote, you don't want yeah. to pay
1: attention to that stuff. You you want to hear the song together to focus on the song together. You don't want to focus
0: on the notes individually. Yeah. Or
1: something you yeah. <clears throat> how the the technical aspects of how it was played um yeah. it's distracting it's distracting
0: yeah the, the quote i realized was from edgar chambers the fourth um the who's from a the this sensory is, i'm glad
1: you said that i was uh, the yep yeah. i i thought maybe it was the third that <laughs> was
0: my, the sensory analysis center at kansas state at least this was back in i think 2004 this is an article from 2004 right um but yeah, he was testing the difference between world's best ketchup and Heinz ketchup. Um,
1: yeah, world's yeah. best is the this is the was the entry point for yes, for Gladwell yes. in this. So someone trying to make a designer ketchup and having that catch on the same way that Gray Poupon helped make designer mustard's catch on. Yes, I, but in I fact guess, I think Chambers like has a quote. Sorry, what did you say? Yeah. Uh, I think that was forty years ago.
0: Yeah, was it really? Um, well, here it says thirty. I think so. Oh yeah. Um, the and Chambers, this person uh, said the world's best product quote had really low amplitude. It's because some of the aftertaste had like one flavor over another, right? Uh, the aftertaste seemed like a certain flavor would hang over longer in the case of world's best that cooked tomatoey flavor. So here you are at ketchup, and actually getting ranked lower because it tastes more tomatoey. Um fascinating well um.
1: um and i think so someone one of the tasters he said he thought he was trying to she was trying to be helpful right and said it's a it's more of a sauce you know it's more of a sauce and mm-hmm. i think uh, i mean just think of how you use a sauce on say like a pasta right yeah it's you want the sauce to be nuanced or whatever because otherwise if it's just too too solid ambiguous like flavor profiles and that's I right, mean, why would we no one no one of us would ever eat pasta and ketchup? That's right you would want you would want a sauce to kind of have multiple things going on that's right and um I think um i I just wonder if we can extrapolate that to basically all condiments, right? Right. Like yeah okay, there's a designer mustard or whatever. But what was designer about it was not that it was complicated necessarily. Is that it was brown mustard, not not yellow mustard. Exactly. Yeah, there's a, there's white wine in there or whatever. But it's really still just kind of one, mm. kind of just one flavor. Um, there's a lot going on in your normal mayonnaise, including this Hellman's mayonnaise, right? There's more than one necessary ingredient, but we think of it, I think it's basically a mayonnaise flavor. It's not like a mayonnaise is not code for a chord of flavors. That's right. It's for it's for one note of flavor. That's right. And um, I just don't so it does not really compute with me. Why would you do this to a ketchup? Like why why would you think this would work? Because if you're are you expecting people to put it on like a hamburger that is so plain and so flavorless that you need all that nuance to come from the condiment,
0: right? Right,
1: because that's those are the situations where you want to like. The, I think there are two types of situations, um, and it's just it's just weird to kind of like straddle the line because either either the the food that you're trying to enhance. With a condiment, That's has right. been, has been something specific was you know done to it. Okay, it's not just a beef patty. You know, there's it's a pepper something, you know, bacon flavored whatever. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Or or it's, or the food that was not really done to it, and you want a real sauce that a sauce that does something. But I don't I don't know that there's really a a, a middle. Path here, and that's what the world's best ketchup was trying to do.
0: Yeah, right. You're you either in one camp or the other. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. what's the role?
1: It's kind of like with uh, this like proto ketchup, the the bento thing that got that's right, that's right by by Heinz and stuff. Okay, it was like runny. It was um uh more watery. That's right. right? Like you yep. said it's not that. It's like Kind of unripened tomatoes. It's not not very tomatoey. There's there's just not much, uh, not not a ton there, I guess. But what was there wasn't necessarily like a one. It didn't it wasn't one unit. You and I have talked on on this podcast and elsewhere too about the, you know, this kind of like a units thing in, in the mind. Uh, we use the social security number example. Right, of like why it's built into little units. The same thing with telephone numbers. That's right. Why is there a dash? There's right. no. Re- there's no reason to have a dash. The reason you have a dash is to help because a lot of people can't fit. Like seven, seven is kind of at the limits for a lot of people. That's right. And it helps to be able to make. Oh yeah, no, that's a. That's not a seven and eight and a one. That's a seven eight one. Like that's, that's right. a unit. Um. So. I don't know. Maybe there's a maybe there's a little of that here, uh, the the uneven ketchups. Um, he talks about this Del Monte ketchup. That's right. And a lot of, a lot of people in the know <laughs> don't like it because it's very inconsistent batch to batch, and certain things will, uh, especially like different times a year, they'll be using different types of tomatoes. <laughs> they were ripened to different extents, and. You know, it doesn't have that high amplitude because it's more of a bouquet. Things are things are happening in there. And maybe right. we just don't... Maybe we just literally don't want that in a condiment. Yeah. Period. Right? Right. I, I think there are different... I'm not saying there's... As you brought up, the, um, uh, you know, part of this article... This Moskowitz guy, part of what he's fighting is, okay, for these food companies, it used to be there's this idealized version of this one food, and we're going to try to get as close to that as possible. Um, you know, here, just, just just kind of breaking it up, I guess. Just breaking it up.
0: Well, yeah, breaking it up into like, you, you, I think the image of a spreadsheet, right, was was offered, right, where there are a whole bunch of different kind of constituent components of all these different types of tastes, and and but they're kind of clusters of tastes where there's kind of I, I assume higher scores on certain of these subsets, right? Um, so kind of when, when you kind of take it apart and put it back together, you're not putting it back together for like one ultimate maximization problem. It's like what he was getting at was wasn't wasn't the notion that you could try to maximize everything, but then you you end up getting like a lower total score overall. But if you try to maximize in each of these clusters, you actually get a higher score for each of those clusters. Right. I mean th- that to me, I found fascinating too. So, yeah. right,
1: and like my my kind of world it's about kind of what find f- using information like this to figure out what the right answers are. But Correct. Here, it's not re- so. Like maybe even doing something like that is dishonest. So if you're if you're doing um, if you're doing clinical trials for a drug, that's right. Right? You're not like okay, if then you do a, a big total study and involves uh, lots of different people in different situations, different walks of life. And yeah, I mean it's thanks to the placebo effect, it, basically there, there are going to be people in your study that report improvement from this drug that you're testing. That's but right if you if you then go into this like data set, you just think of, like, all these numbers one by one on, like, a wall. If you go in there and then you start trying to, like, draw a line, a circle, around just some part of the population... That's right. ...and then say, oh, yes, well, now, if I draw this line, what's left in it is still uh, statistically significant. That's, that's not... Right. That's that's dishonest. That's not true. Right. Um, but, but here... So it's it's just a very different world because here you want to do that. Um, it's 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 a business thing. Well, I mean, I guess maybe the 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 drug thing is is, is a business thing too. too. Yeah. But yeah. Um, but yeah, like if you if you can identify some of these trends within the larger scope, then you just try it out. You try marketing for that exact little subset of people, and. People will vote for, vote with their wallets, and you'll know whether or not it works pretty quickly.
0: That's right. That's right.
1: Yeah. Whether Yeah. It's true or not? I mean, so, yeah, I thought that was uh, I thought that was really fascinating. And do you think um, part of what was uh, un, un, unusual about the, the Moskowitz process is he thought that maybe it could be segmented. I think Mm -hmm. and then so then when they did testing basically they just they made like 25 different versions of the the that's right sauce yep 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 that that emphasized different things and then just tested all of them and so when we said earlier oh yeah these three categories that caught on like the Mm -hmm. plain the spicy and the and the chunky
0: yep
1: those are just the ones that worked i mean there were plenty other different things that they tried that's right do you think... I mean, I think a lot of these marketing things might um, come from, like, imagination first. Instead of this kind of research, you know, like, the- like having a theory and then testing the theory. Here, this was just kind of like a scorched earth try everything and then see what works.
0: Yeah, it kind of reminds me of, like, isn't there the... what um, Didn't something similar happen when uh, the human genome was trying... was. Attempted to be sequenced, right? Weren't there, weren't there two camps? I don't know. One, what, tell me. One camp... Well, I don't know all the specific details, but, but one camp is kind of the scorched earth type thing where, like, we're going to try every every single combination, right? And the other one was going to be, like, we're going to, like, strategically select a few approaches to kind of see if this unlocks the larger genome. Maybe that's the way to describe it. I'm not sure mm-hmm. if that's the exact thing. But, but you know, they're just different approaches, right? I mean, I... Um, <clears throat> I mean... Um, I, it, in some sense, it seems like it is not quite the same as like a one hypothesis being testing or he just decided to do spicy versus other stuff. I'm imagining in my mind that he, he tried to give a whole bunch of different flavor combinations and had people rate them on different categories but found that like through some sort of what we call factor analysis, certain kind mm-hmm. of um, subsets of those variables track together. So right. That, so right. It but there were some –
1: Yeah. I think yeah, I I see what you're saying. I think it's a little bit of the same thing. Um because the those those subpopulations of people right. came together just in those instances, I think. Of, sure of a particular
0: Fair enough. But yeah, point yep. taken. Yep. Um Interesting. It's all interesting. I I mean Malcolm Gladwell yet again delivers um on this one. Yeah, um
1: so uh this was I dare say the the first subject matter that we approached that had a direct application to a, the sandwich part of this project.
0: That's totally right. Yeah, I mean yeah, uh, we I, I I may, maybe maybe the suggestion... We, yeah, yeah, we should tap into more food writing. Um yeah, maybe the... I should stop with
1: the theory stuff and <laughs> Make the have the theory and and test it. I mean, I like I like that. I enjoy it. Uh, there's been one or two times when I specifically did not enjoy it. That's part <laughs> of the fun too. It is. I don't know. I, I mean, everyone eats, or or yeah, uh, even as we were talking about with uh, the ketchup. Um, yep. Every, everyone, everyone eats. It's not like we're the first people to think about sandwiches. That's right. That's right. Tons of people think about sandwiches. Tons of people try things, and then you got guys like like Moskowitz probably coming in, and figuring out combinations of things. And you know we're not gonna um, we're well, I, I mean you you might have invented the the next great American sandwich today, um, but I I think uh, I think that's a that's a fantastic bonus, right? I mean, part of this is is really just about variety, because with with variety, there's always there's always a way to excel with variety. That's right. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, this is great. Um, so Malcolm Gladwell's the Ketchup Conundrum. This was back from September two thousand four uh, in the New Yorker. Uh, today's episode was about salami, which was which was a lot of fun. Um, so uh, I was thinking Dude, about would you
1: be would you be open mm-hmm. to doing the salami again? Not obviously next week, but right. some other time because uh, there's, there's more there.
0: Well, I mean, especially because it looks like salami is part of a whole class of meats, right? So it'd be nice to kind of experiment oh, with different types good, of salami. Yeah, um, yeah for sure. Um, what, what what kind of two things came to my mind for for next time, uh, episode thirteen, <laughs> um, was either the chicken nuggets idea that we've discussed. Or mm-hmm. uh, or broadly pork, we've done bacon, but um, and I think we've yeah. done ham, but maybe like Which... uh, other other approaches to pork. I don't know. So if, did you have a preference for that for either of those?
1: Well, I just wanted to say uh, yes. by the way, bacon mm-hmm. very very high on this umami. Oh um, yes, well send yes metric, right? Um, if you look at the you know these these three compounds oh. of, as like a per. Like gram for gram, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. In, in right. terms of in terms of saturation, yes, uh, it's very umami, very very yeah. high. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I think uh, I think now that uh, you let the, the the chicken nuggets out of the bag, I think we got to go for it.
0: I think so too. So uh, next time we'll do chicken nugget sandwiches. That's right. Uh, I, I look forward to it. Uh, this has been a great <laughs> episode, Ryan. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Rob.